I'm just, are you guys ready just when we can just hug and just the whole thing? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm ready for that. So um, we're going to be in Acts chapter 16 today, and I want to look at, at God's Word on how we can get um, a different perspective uh, for our life. And, and let, let me just be honest with you, it's a struggle for all of us um, when we're going through a difficult trial or a difficult situation in our lives to get the right perspective because it's so easy to get immersed in our trial that we forget that God is actually doing something and it's hard to trust God or for my faith to increase when things aren't going well um, in, in, in my life. And so that's what we're going to look at today. I, just right off the bat, how many of you um, are, are horse lovers? You, you love horses. Yeah, my, my niece better. Lydia better raise her hand over there. My niece, my nieces are huge horse lovers. Anyone else horse lovers out there? Okay, wow, the first, there's more in the first service than the second service. I, Ruth Brooks said, I am. She was all pumped up. Um, I'm not a huge horse fan. They scare me. They scare me to death because they're very powerful. And sometimes I hear, you know, horse horror stories that don't make it any better for me to want to get up on a horse. And some of you know my story about when we took a missions trip to Montana to work with uh, the Native Americans of the, of the Blackfeet. And we did VBS. We worked with the kids. It was great. And so one day we had a day off and we were going to go on this big trail ride. Four-hour trail ride. And uh, the horses, they ran out of horses. So my horse, I got the guy that was leading the trail ride, I got his horse, which was a roping horse, which was not the 80-year-old horse that goes one mile per hour. That's what Kathleen got. Her horse was, I don't know what your horse was called, but it was called like licorice or, you know, some real, my horse was called Thunder, you know. And the, the guy told me, he goes, now, Barden, when you get on this, have you ever ridden? I go, no, I don't know anything about, I, I know nothing about horses. They terrify. He goes, Okay, I'll give you my horse. His name's Thunder, and he's a roping horse. But the only thing I got to tell you is when you're going down the trail, do not let go of the reins. I go, why? Because he goes, he'll take off because he thinks he's going to barrel race or whatever he's going to do. Or, and, and if you see a cow, he will want to go after the cow because he thinks he's in a, in a rodeo. I'm white-knuckled for four hours. Meanwhile, Kathleen's on licorice, just, you know, going along, no, no problems. And I'm like, so just mean horses don't work out. But there's a thing about horses that's interesting, that uh, many times they'll put blinders on horses so that they'll see straight, straight away. They don't, you don't want to get this horse spooked. You don't want them to get distracted. If you see race horses, they'll have blinders on. You want to keep them focused on where they're going, on the racetrack. And I, I got thinking about this for a moment. I, I wonder, um, that's a good thing because you don't want the horse to get distracted, but I wonder sometimes if we put blinders on our lives that keeps us from knowing what's going on all around us. I think sometimes, when, whether it's the political landscape that we're in today or we're immersed in a trial, I think sometimes we put blinders on and we forget that we actually live in a spiritual world. And I think if we're not careful, we can end up looking in the physical so much that it distracts us from understanding that God is actually doing something behind the scenes. And we have to learn to trust God, trust his character, that God is sovereign. Here's the thing I want you to see this morning. When I look at my life with blinders on, it is exceedingly difficult to see a realistic picture of what others are going through. And actually, let me add to this, and lose sight of what God is doing. 
and what he's doing around us. And so I want us to be careful here not to get so immersed in our landscape and our political landscape and, and so much in our issues that we lose sight of what God is doing, that we live in a spiritual world. This is what we're going to see in Paul and Silas. Why they did not allow their horrible circumstances to allow them to walk in dismay or to allow them to walk in despair. And that's why I like reading about people who have endured difficult circumstances in their lives and how they relied on Christ and listened to the stories on how Christ allowed them to get through their difficult circumstances. Peter, uh, in his letter, he writes to the, the persecuted church and this is what he says to them. He says, listen, stand firm against him. Be strong in your faith. No matter what you're going through, be strong in your faith. And listen to what he says. He says, remember that your family of believers all over the world is going through the same kind of suffering that you are. That you're not alone. Don't lose perspective. There are others. Isn't it amazing when you share your story of hurt or pain, how people begin to listen? I love when I hear other people's story of, of, of pain and difficulty and how God has helped them through that. Through it, it just, I connect with that. I want to hear the faith that God has given them and the encouragement that God has given them to make it through their difficult circumstance. So we're in the book of Acts and we're seeing how the early church was established and how the church not only survived, but how it thrived. And so we're going to look at the story of, of Paul and Silas saying Acts chapter 16. And I want us to look at how they understood something very important and how it helped them through their trials. Because if you look at Paul's life, it's not very glamorous. I mean, if you shipwrecked and stoned and dragged out of cities and persecuted, it's just he didn't live a real glamorous Christian life. What kept Paul going? Why did he not just throw in the towel and say, enough is enough? I love this story and Acts chapter 16. It, it, it's helped me out so much to get a correct perspective on who God is and how God can help us through our times of, of, of difficulty. So let me give you a little background here of Acts chapter 16. What Paul's doing, he's traveling with his companion Silas, and they're traveling through Macedonia, and they're sharing the message of Christ, and here they end up in the city of Philippi. And the city of Philippi would not be good for them. It would not be a good experience. There's a lot of hostility that arose in that city, as well as many other cities that Paul uh, went through. So let me give you a little background here. Paul and Silas, they're in the city, and what's interesting here, they're, they're preaching the gospel. And if you see the story there, there's this slave girl who's a fortune teller who's following them. Wherever they go, she's following them. And, and what she's doing is she's yelling out this, this phrase wherever they go. She goes, these, these men are servants of the Most High God who proclaim to you the way of salvation and that's, she kept saying it. These are the men of God, of the Most High, who's proclaiming you the way of salvation. Now, you would think that's a good thing. And it's a true thing that this, this slave girl is saying. But she kept doing it, the Bible says, for many days until Paul became annoyed with this girl. So Paul didn't think she was actually helping him with the message of Christ. So eventually Paul just turns to her and commands the evil spirit to come out of her. And immediately it did. Now, let me give you a couple thoughts here. We live in a spiritual world. Paul understood that. And Jesus talked about Satan coming to steal, kill, and destroy. And Paul taught us that in this world, we have to realize that we're walking in a spiritual world. Listen to Ephesians 6.12. 
He says, for our struggle is not against what? Flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Paul understood this. Paul understood where his war was. He knew that you cannot fight this in the physical. If we begin to fight our battles in the physical, how many know we're going to lose every single time? It will drain us. So Paul knew that he had to depend on the Lord, that it's the Lord that fights his battles. If we have to depend on the Lord in prayer, and God knows what's going on behind the scenes, and we need to trust him that Jesus is the one that we go to to fight our battles. He's the one that disarms the enemy before. So we trust in him. When you feel oppressed or you feel like you're being attacked, you go to Christ and you give that to him and allow Christ to fill you with his peace as we, as we, you know, as we go through these difficult things in our life. So it wasn't Paul who caused the evil spirit to come out of her, but Jesus. And all the power is in Jesus's name over every demonic thing. Jesus' name has power overall. So the interesting thing about this girl is that her life changed. And she's no longer a slave to this demonic spirit, and she's set free. And you would think, man, this is amazing. You know, Paul, they're going around, they're sharing the gospel, people are coming to the Lord. There's this slave girl who was demonically oppressed, and the spirit came out of her, and now she's set free. And you think, end of the story, put an exclamation point on it, let's go on with our lives. Not so fast. This is what we're going to dig into today. At this point, Paul and Silas had no idea what was going to happen next. What happens is there's the man who owned the slave girl. He brings Paul and Silas before the rulers of the city, and they're charged with disturbing the city, and as a result, they're beaten with rods and thrown into prison for for helping someone, for, for sharing the gospel. They are beaten with rods and thrown into prison. Now, they're in prison and they don't know what's going to happen, whether or not they're going to be exiled or there's going to be more beatings or even execution. They do not know what's going to happen next. And so what they were accused of, what they were charged was with trying to undermine the Roman government, which could result in capital punishment. Now, this is bad. This doesn't look good. And as a result, you would think Paul and Silas would, would start saying, why me? I didn't sign up for this. Have you ever felt that way sometimes in your walk with the Lord? Where it's like, if, if there's just one more thing that happens, I don't know what I'm going to do, you know? God, why does this keep happening in my life? Am I the only one that's ever felt that? Have anyone else? Okay, for you that are truthful, okay? Yeah, this happens. And, but Paul and Silas, they have a different perspective here. This is what is amazing. So what is the difference? What is the difference about Paul and Silas that we need to learn in America and American Christianity that I think we've forgotten about? I think we think that we deserve something or that it's owed to us or that we're entitled to things because we're a follower of Jesus. Let's be careful here. And I think that's why it's good for us to understand the persecuted church around the world. I think it's good for us to hear Peter's world. They said there are those that are being persecuted in the family of God all over the world, just like you're going through. There are, are churches all over the world that cannot have the freedom to stand in a pulpit, stand before a church, and freely preach the gospel of Jesus Christ without being imprisoned. And so many are underground churches that, that are flourishing all around the world because of their faithfulness to Christ. Here's the difference. Listen to me. Just catch right here. Just everybody's eyes right here. Right here. Here's the difference. 
I think we tend to forget this. Paul and Silas counted the cost of sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus said, they will hate you because of me. They will hate you because of me. Jesus says, in this world, you will have tribulation. But take heart, I've overcome the world. See, Paul and Silas didn't have an entitled type of attitude that everything was going to smell like potpourri in their lives. They didn't have this entitled attitude that that everything was going to work perfectly. And we're going to see this in their attitude. And I think we we need to learn this in American Christianity. I'm not saying that God doesn't bless us. Are we blessed? We are. I'm not saying, but I'm just saying we need to get a correct understanding of what the gospel message is and what it requires us as followers of Jesus Christ. And so what happens here with, with Paul and Silas? What's the difference? Well, they counted the cost. So let's jump into Acts chapter 16. You can look at the screens. You've got them on your phone or your Bible. Let's look at verses 25 through 34. Let's see what happens. They've just been beaten. They're thrown in prison. They have no idea what's going to happen to them next. Execution, exile. They have no idea. And here's what it says. About midnight, Paul and Silas are complaining. And they're No, it doesn't say that. What does it say? At midnight, Paul and Silas were doing what? They're praying and singing hymns unto God. They're singing, Our God is an awesome God who reigns. I think they were singing that song, by the way. I don't know. And so they're singing unto the Lord. And other prisoners were listening to them, thinking, Are they out of their minds? So they're listening to them. Suddenly... There was, such a, there, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken and at once all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, but he thought that, he thought that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself, we are all here. The jailer called for the lights, rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas and then and then brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? He knew that there was something different about these men. And here's what they replied. Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. What a wonderful promise. I love those words. And then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and all the others in his house. And at the hour of the night, the jailer took them, and I love this, He washed their wounds. Then immediately he and all his household were baptized. The jailer brought them into his house and he set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole household. Amen to God's word. Great story here. The first thing that comes to mind is what Paul and Silas aren't doing. Instead of cursing men, they're blessing God. In the minute of their, in, in the time of their horrible circumstance, they are, they're, they're not cursing men, they're blessing God. They're not saying, man, we need to get the heavy hitters. We need to call 444-4444. You know, they're, that's not what they're thinking. What they're doing is they're fighting this battle spiritually. They are going to God in prayer and they're encouraging themselves by singing hymns, by singing songs to encourage themselves in the Lord. How could they worship God in jail? How could they do this when it just seems so bleak for them? Here's the reason why, and this is what we need to understand. And listen, listen, listen. 
This will help you because I think what happens in our Christian walk when we have an expectation that God is always supposed to do all these things for us, that when difficult times come, it, it hits us like a beach ball being hit back and forth. And we allow our trials and our circumstances to overwhelm us, to discourage us. And that doesn't mean that when you're going through a difficult time that we don't cry out to God for help or we say, God, I just need your help here, but I want you to see something here. What was different about Paul and Silas? Here's the difference. They had a strong relationship with Christ before this happened. Listen. Jesus said, in this world you're going to have tribulation. If we get a correct understanding of the gospel message, that suffering is part of the gospel, that, that part of our Christian walk is going to be that I'm going to have difficult times, that I'm going to have to trust the Lord even when it doesn't make sense to me. And this is where your individual consistent walk with the Lord comes into play. So when I'm, when I'm understanding God's word, when I get a correct understanding of the gospel message and I understand that, I'm, that Jesus said you're going to go through trials, that the early apostles went through many difficult things and God was still with them through all those things, then I understand that suffering and trials are going to come for my good. To produce, as we looked last week, to produce endurance and perseverance and ultimately show what our character truly is, which ultimately brings hope into our lives. God uses our suffering for our good so that it transforms us and transforms us more into his son, Jesus. Now listen, I don't like it. It's not fun. Right? It's no fun. But if I understand correctly the word of God, I understand that God uses it so that I become more like his son. So each trial that comes my way, I understand, God, you love me as a father. I'm going to depend on your character. As a father disciplines his son because he loves him, so you discipline us. And you allow us to go through these things, not because you hate us. It's because you love us. You love us so much that you want us to be transformed over and over and over again, more into the image of your son, Jesus. People, that's the message of the New Testament. That's what the disciples had to endure. And I think the problem in America today is that it's so easy for us because of the conveniences that we have and the ability to worship God the way we do, it's easy to take it for granted and to get a wrong image of who God is and how God uses suffering and and difficulties in our lives for his good. And so they understood this. You know, it just, you know, you you think, well, pastor, how, I I don't get it. I don't understand how God can actually use my suffering for his good. I don't, it's so hard for me to understand that. Now, how many know if we make bad choices, we're going to pay for the consequences of those choices, but God can still use that for us to come to him and to repent and, and to transform our lives. But there are things that happen in our lives that are, are beyond our, our control just for following the Lord, and God can still use them for his good. Um, it reminds me of, of the story of, of Joseph, and many of you know the story of Joseph. His brothers um, sold him into slavery. Nice family, right? Nice, nice brothers. They were jealous of him. They sold him to slavery. And then through God's favor, God raised Joseph into one of the most prominent positions in the Egyptian empire. And Joseph was head of the, the famine that was in the land to help bring food to those in that area. And eventually Joseph's brothers, they didn't know what happened to Joseph, but they knew they were going to, they didn't know what happened to him. And one day, because of the famine, his brothers have to stand before Joseph, who's in charge. Now, Joseph recognized them the first time, but they don't recognize him. And what's interesting, 
when they finally come to the recognition of both, and then now they're fearful because they think, man, Joseph's, he's going to kill us. He's got all the power. He's going to take revenge on us. And they stand before each other, and in Genesis 50, Joseph says this to his brothers. And I love this. He goes, what, what, you have, what you have meant for evil or harm, God meant it for good, for the saving of many lives. God, Joseph had a different perspective of what God was doing. That's why he didn't act in revenge and hatred, which he had every justification, every right to do, but he knew God was up to something and he had to trust God and see what he was doing and not trust his own pain and maybe vengeance. God was doing something greater. Paul and Silas understood this. They found their strength in Christ. I love this quote from Alistair Begg when he's assessing the life of Daniel. Daniel in the lion's den. And once again, Daniel was taken exiled from his homeland to Babylon, stripped of everything, his identity, everything. But God used him through his favor to raise him up once again like Joseph in a prominent position of that nation and used him greatly to interpret dreams. But he never wavered in his faith. And I like what Alistair Beck says here. He says, for Daniel, when the crisis hit, it did not create his disciplined lifestyle. It actually revealed it. See, when we go through suffering, I think God uses it to reveal in our hearts what we're truly trusting. And I think it's good for us to assess our lives, to say, hey, man, I'm going through this thing. God, what are you doing in, in my heart? Because it's easy for us to get, you know, just to get discouraged and you know, want to give up and throw in the towel. But actually, I think sometimes God uses it, and I do believe God uses it to reveal what we're really trusting. It reveals what we're trusting. And this is exactly what happens to Paul and Silas. When the crisis hit, it didn't create a disciplined lifestyle. What the crisis revealed is what they were truly trusting before that crisis or before that suffering or whatever it is hit them. See, a crisis will reveal who or what you're trusting. It's going to reveal that. And so for Paul and Silas, the reason why they could pray and sing hymns unto the Lord is because ultimately their trust was in Christ. Ultimately they knew God was on their side. I like what Al Mohler says here. He says, they could worship in prison because they knew that whether free or in shackles, so whether they were going to be free, they had no idea what their future was going to be, whether free or in shackles, they belonged to God of the universe. Listen, however this election may turn out, guess what? We still belong to God and God is in control. Listen to me. God is in control. The book of Daniel tells us that God lifts up leaders and he takes them down. We need to trust the Lord. Not a political party. We need to trust in the Lord. Jesus is seated on his throne above all else. Jesus is seated on his throne. So a crisis will reveal who or what you are trusting. It's going to reveal who or what you are trusting. So here's the thing about the crisis. Others were watching Paul and Silas to see how they were going to react to what they were going through. Because a crisis will really reveal our true character and who we are. See, the other prisoners in the jailers that, that were guarding them were watching them. 
And at midnight, Paul and Silas are singing, Our God is an awesome God. And then suddenly a great earthquake shook the foundations of the prison and the doors opened up and Paul and Silas could have easily left. They could have took off. But they knew the purpose of God. They weren't looking at themselves and how I can protect and take care of myself. What they were looking at is, there's a soul. And maybe the whole reason God had us here was for this very purpose, to reach out to this jailer so that he would know Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. So the jailer was going to kill himself, knowing the consequences of the prisoners escaping. And so Paul told them, hey, stop, no one's escaped, calm down. God's using this for his glory. And everyone there must have thought, man, there is something different about these two guys. There is something different. And so the jailer listened to Paul and gave his life to Christ. And at that, in that moment, Jesus changed everything for him and his family. And what I love about this story is the change, the, the redemption that God had, that Paul and Silas were more concerned about this person's soul than they were about themselves at this moment. I love that. Do you realize Jesus gave everything for you and I that he actually came to serve us and not be served so that we could come and know God as our father and be, and be covered from all our sins by his precious blood? Jesus gave up everything for us. And so here we see Paul and Silas, they care more about these men than, they're, than what they're actually going through. And the jailer listened to them and his, his life unbelievably changed. And what I love about the story is that um, the details that Luke gives us in this story. He just doesn't say, well, the, you, know, the jailer, you know, the jailer got saved, end of story. Ooh, isn't it great? But what he actually says, he gives us these greater details that the jailer actually washed their wounds. The blood from the beatings, the jailer gets down and washes them and cleanses them from their wounds takes care of them, brings them into his home and gives them a meal. He's so, this shows a heart that's been changed from one that is self-centered and now worried, you know, worried about you know, he was going to lose his life and I'm going to fall on the sword to one that has been changed by the Spirit of God that begins to take care of other people. It's an amazing story of God's transformation in a man's life, that he begins to look out for other people and actually wash their wounds and humble himself to take care of them. I want you to know that your crisis can be used by God to actually draw others to him. That, that's seen through a different lens. That's seen through a different perspective. And believe me, I know when we're in the midst of that, it's so hard to see out of the fog. But when I'm in that fog, I've got to realize, God, I'm going to trust you. I know you're doing something. I may not understand it, but I know I can trust you. And that's exactly what Paul and Silas did. They didn't know what was going to happen next, but they were trusting the Lord. And it never changed their purpose. It never changed what they were called to do. And that was reach people with the love of Christ and his wonderful saving message. You see, the whole story is about the power of the gospel to change lives and how God uses our difficult circumstances to bring others to him. And I believe with all my heart that God can use our, our crisis for his good. I have to believe that. 
Listen, every single one of us are messed up. We all have our issues, don't we? Can we just admit it? We all have our issues, right? And there's some of you here today and you look back over your life and you see the issues or the abuse or the things that have happened in your life. And I want you to know that those things are bad. Some of the things that we've gone through or we had to do in our life, God is not saying to us, hey, just, you know, just call the bad things good and just fake yourself out. He's not saying that. The trials and the stuff, what Paul and Silas went through was bad. Their beatings were bad. Let's call it for what it is. But I want you to understand the character of God, that he actually can use our times and our trials for his good. And what he does is he restores and he redeems us. That's the crux of the gospel message, that Jesus came to restore and redeem us from sin and the wages of sin that lead to death. And so God restores your life. So whatever has happened to you in your past, God takes your life, he gives you his grace and his mercy, and now he redeems you for his purposes and for his good. Now, many of you know this passage in Romans, and many of you have memorized it, and you may have it up here, but I don't, I don't know if we really get it here. And I want us to get it here. Because Romans 8.28 says, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together. For what? For good. For good. For those who are called according to his purpose. Like, Pastor, you don't know my background. You don't know what I'm going through. How, how can God work this for his good? God is not calling what you're going through or what you've had to go through good. But what God is saying is, I can take that and use it and redeem it and restore it for my good. And I be, listen, that's the only way I can get through this life. I'm going to be completely honest with you. Because the things that you go through and the hurts and the pains that you may have from your past, it's so easy to, to allow it to just debilitate us from walking forward and trusting God. But when I know that God can use for good, now, listen, I may not see that good while I'm living. Can we just be honest with ourselves? Let's, let's, it's just you and I here this morning and all, all of you that are watching online. Listen, I think sometimes... I'm just going to be honest with you. I think sometimes what we, we try to convince ourselves, well, God is going to use this for my good, so I'm going to see it next week. Or I may see it in a month. Or I may see it in a year. You know what? A month? A year? Five years? Ten years may pass. And you may not see it. But I want you to know that ultimately what we get is we get Christ. And, and ultimately we will be with him. That's why I go back, I love Al El Mohr's quote here, that, that they could worship in prison because they knew that whether free or in shackles, they belonged to the God of the universe. Irregardless, we belong to God, and God will use it for his good. We may not know, we may not see it, but we know that God is working all of that, and he does restore us and redeem us for his purposes. And some of you are sitting here today and you're a product of abuse or you're a product of something that, that just, maybe just something that harmed you, some evil that was done against you. And that thing has gripped your heart because it was wrong. And let's call it for what it is. It is wrong. But here's the gospel message. 
that even though going through that difficult time and going through that horrible thing in your past, whatever it may be, and there may be some of you that have done horrible things, here's where the grace of God fits in. Here's where the mercy of God fits in. That God redeems and he restores us when we come to him. And we are now trophies of his grace and his mercy. So listen, may we just allow the times that we're going through, the difficult things we're going through, may we allow God's word to be spoken to our heart. And you, we, we need to have a habit of where we speak God's word to our heart until we feel it. Listen, I know Romans 8.28. I can quote it in my sleep, right? And so many times it's so easy to get it up here where I'm like, God, I know, okay, God, I know you want God will call card in your prayers. Like, great bumper sticker and, you know, put it on my refrigerator and somebody's going through something difficult and you say to them, well, you know, got this. All things work for good. You're like, Pfft. you know, when you're going through it, that's the way you feel sometimes, right? Just being honest, it's the way you feel. But you know what? It's true. And sometimes I may not feel it. I may know it, but I may not feel it. And that's where you have to encourage yourself in the Lord. Listen, I can preach to you once a week and try to hammer this into you, but you've got to be speaking God's word to yourself daily. Trusting his promises and speaking it to your heart because it's true. And God is faithful to his word. And so as I speak it to my own heart, I speak it over and over and over again till I feel it and it becomes part of me and I know, God, that you encourage me. Listen, when you're going through a difficult time, it's okay to cry out to God and say, I don't understand this, Lord. I don't know why I'm going through this, but I know I can trust you and I know that you're going to work it for your good because I do love you and I have been called according to your purpose, purposes and I can trust you because God is faithful. Amen? where are you today? Where are you with your walk? Are you going through a trial? Are you going through that, that, that dark season, that winter season that you just feel like, man, I'm in this fog, Pastor Bar, and I just can't seem to get out of it? Listen, you start worshiping the Lord in the, minute, in the middle of that trial. The, um, it sounds kind of weird, but I'm going to tell you anyways because I'm weird, but um, the other day I was just jogging around our neighborhood and I usually I listen to podcasts. Like I'm going to listen to music today. Um, and a, a song came on, a worship song came on. And I've heard this worship song a million times. But just what we're going through as a church in my own life, it hit me like a ton of bricks. And as I'm jogging, I'm just lifting my hands and jogging and saying, God, I just need to hear that today that you're good and that you're faithful. And so I'm, it was a kind of a cry jog, like a crying as I'm jogging. I'm sure the neighbors thought, are you okay? Is there... But I needed to hear that in my spirit. I, I needed to know. And those words were like God was just speaking them to my spirit. And that's my prayer for you. Encourage yourself in the Lord. Encourage yourself in the Lord, that not only do you know it up here, but you know it, you feel it, that God is there and he's not going to leave us or forsake us, that nothing can separate us from the love of God, 
which is in Christ Jesus, has us in the palm of his hands. He's not going to let us go. Amen? He's with us. So, Father God, I just, um, we come before you today and, Lord, we need you. Thank you for the story of Paul and Silas. We are not trying to minimize that what they went through was not horrible. But Lord, what we're trying to see here is that they worshiped you in the middle of their storm. And they trusted you because they knew ultimately their home was in heaven and with you. And so Lord, I just pray for those here today that are just struggling with their faith or struggling with the situations that they're going through in their lives. Lord, I pray that they would not only know it, but they would know it in their hearts that you, that they would feel it, that they would know that you are close, that you will never leave us or forsake us. So I thank you for your constant care over our life. I thank you, Lord, that you walk with us through every trial, through every storm, through all of our baggage, all the things that have been done against us and the things that we've done to other people, God. I thank you that you forgive, you cleanse, you redeem, and you still use us for your purposes. You are such a perfect Savior in every way. So God, as we just sing this last song to, to you, Lord, um, we just want to worship you today and just carve out these last moments together just to worship you and to hear from you today. So I pray you would touch every heart here today those that feel alone and far away from you, I pray you draw them close to you. Thank you that you never forget about us. We love you, we thank you. And we ask these things in Jesus' precious name. In Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. Would you stand with me? Let's just.